Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Elfie Scott. And I'm Taylor Strano. If you haven't listened to Thursday's episode, you may be confused as to why Taylor and I are in the studio. Unfortunately, Charlie and Laura are away for the week, so they have left us, the children, to drive this program. Yes, it's nice to be back behind the mic. I'm so used to just pressing the buttons, making it all sound profesh. You're so good at that. Oh, thank you. So I want to kick off the show today with something silly because it's Friday and I feel like we deserve it after a long week. Taylor, have you been keeping up with the Jacob Elordi and Barry Keoghan memes? I have not, but I feel like Jacob Elordi popped up out of nowhere and I cannot escape him now. If he's not talking about Lilo and Stitch, he's talking about Eminem. But what's he done now? He's everywhere. I had a sex dream about him last night. I'm not kidding. I told my boyfriend and he just shook his head. He's like, um, I'll never be seven feet tall. These are unreasonable expectations. Yes, he's giant and hot. Let's admit it. So a news story that I have been absolutely obsessed with this week. And yes, I'm stretching it by calling it news, but that's fine. Let's just move on. It is the press tour of Saltburn and it involves Jacob Elordi and Barry Keoghan because they are the two main actors in that movie. If you don't know about this movie, it is the new Emerald Fennell production. And Elordi and Kyogen are all over social media at the moment, largely because they have an incredibly comical height difference that needs to be discussed. So Elordi, as we may all remember from the round of applause he received for saying it on a late night TV show, is six foot five. Mm. And Kyogen is a humble five foot eight. So there have been some incredible memes hanging around (laughs) this week. They're so good. So there are frames of like Gandalf and Frodo from Lord of the Rings together. (laughs) There's that iconic photo of Joe Biden with a tiny Jill Carter in an armchair commenting that that's what they look like together. No. It's so good. Taylor, have you been keeping up with it? I've just opened the link to all of the memes that you have sent me. The Kermit the Frog one is so funny. (laughs) Saltburn looks like it's a very dramatic but also very sexy and Mm. and sensual kind of film and so the thought of these two men in meme form so good yes a hundred percent I feel like it is beautiful and a reminder just even though we are laughing at them they're both incredibly talented actors (laughs) this is not the first time that Jacob Elordi's height has been brought up in his films as well I mean yeah he's six foot five he's not the tallest man in the world though like he's very tall but people are freaking out like he's some psycho giant well it's because they don't usually come that handsome (laughs) you know what I mean sure (laughs) 
But I'm just saying the combination of the two, it feels a little unfair. They talked about this on The Spill recently about filming Priscilla. Jacob Elordi is obviously very tall and Kaylee Spanny is very, very short. <laughs> and they had to pop her on a box, which happens all the time in <gasps> oh, Hollywood. Of course it does. Mm. Also, Jacob Elordi famously didn't know who Elvis was except through watching Lilo and Stitch. Yep, he's the himbo we didn't know we deserved. And he's from Queensland. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, Saltburn, it's in cinemas. Moving on, Fridays on the Spill are a little like Wednesdays at North Shore High. They wear pink. We talk about movies and TV. We're basically Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams. Which one's which? I was just going to ask you the same question. Ooh, controversial, because which one would you want to be? You want to say Lindsay Lohan because, like, you want to be nice about it, but I feel like there's a bit of Regina in all of this. <sighs> That is true, yeah. And you are spectacularly mean, as everybody knows. 100%. Absolute punisher around here. (laughs) That aside, we have learned that some of our favourite TV and movie scenes are completely improvised, and that feels important information that you must know taking into the weekend. Plus, we have your weekend watch sorted as well, so do stick around for some more viewing recommendations. So, Elfie, let me paint you a picture. Are you ready? Mm, Please do. So every morning when I come into the Mamma Mia office, I start, get my coffee, and then I troll through the nooks and the crannies of the internet. It takes me to some very dark, very disturbing places. I like to find out what the kids are talking about, what we're being enraged by this week. And what I have found is something about a lovely little film from 1993, Mrs. Doubtfire. Can I admit that I've never seen Mrs. Doubtfire? Is that wild? (laughs) I don't think it's wild, but it's weird. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Because I've seen every other Robin Williams movie and not Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, that's weird then. Okay, yeah, sorry. That's your weekend watch (laughs) sorted. I guess so. All right, stay with me though. So Mrs. Doubtfire, it popped up on my radar because it's 1993 when it was released. If you don't know, like Elfie, it's a classic film where Robin Williams plays a divorcee who transforms into this chaotic older female housekeeper who's English for some reason. (laughs) She kind of sounds like Julia Child. She spends more time with his kids by dressing up as a housekeeper. It's turning 30 this year. So as a result, the director, Christopher Columbus, that is not the explorer we double-checked, gave an... It could be. (laughs) I have more questions than Mrs. Doubtfire (laughs) if that's the case. Gave an interview to Business Insider uh, talking about the legacy of the film and of Robin Williams. And the interesting takeaway from that, there are 900 or more boxes of unused footage from that film because Robin Williams loved to improvise so much. Wow, he was such a talent. I feel like when anybody says they're going to improvise something, I get nervous because that's what happens in things like podcasts, for instance. I feel like we're improvising right now. (laughs) Not sure where it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, is it a successful improvisation? I don't know. The reviews will let us mm, know. Apple Podcasts will indeed comment. This is your reminder. Leave a review if you are enjoying this podcast. Nonetheless, I always get nervous when I think about the idea of improvising, except for when it comes to somebody with the talent and caliber like Robin Williams, right? 900 boxes of film is insane. When you think this was made in the 90s, that's so much unused footage. It's absolutely bananas to think about. But also, could you imagine how painful it would be to just like sit through the improvisation? (laughs) 
especially if it wasn't good enough to make the final cut. Well, it turns out that a couple of them were pearlers because they did make the final cut. So for anybody who has seen the film, when we think about that scene where Mrs Doubtfire is in the restaurant and she loses her teeth into the drink. Carpe dentum. Seize the teeth. Make a pincer. Come at it from both sides. I'll be right back. I just have to reattach some of the heat. That was totally improvised. And also the most iconic, maybe, the pie-in-the-face sequence. Of course, I have not seen this movie, <laughs> but I may have seen a photo of this okay. of this scene. Take my word for yeah. it. Okay, I'll take your word for it. It's great. It's made me think this week about, well, what are the favourite and famous scenes in TV and cinema were completely improvised? And I've set you and I both the task of diving into the cinematic archive and picking out a few. Do you want to start us off? Oh, okay. I can start us off. I'll start us off with like... An iconic one, which I didn't realise. So, you know the line, we're going to need a bigger boat from Jaws? You're going to need a bigger boat. That was improvised, apparently. Really? Yeah. Like, the only takeaway line that everybody knows about Jaws is that line. And apparently it came from the fact that the producers were quite stingy and they used a little boat and everybody on the crew kept saying it during lunch breaks. So eventually the actor Rob Scheider, who plays Martin Brody in the movie, completely improvised what would become the movie's most recognisable line. That's incredible. That is like the most iconic line in that entire franchise, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. But there are a bunch of other iconic lines that I think are worth mentioning. So you talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. Here's looking at you, kid. Oh, from Casablanca. Yeah. Again, the only takeaway that any of us yes, remember from that exactly. film. actually improvised. Here's looking at you, kid. I'm king of the world. Where would that be from? Oh, that's the Titanic. I'm the king of the world! From Titanic, Leonardo DiCaprio standing at the top Again, of the ship. Again, improvised. improvised. I'm walking here. Oh, that's huge. I'm walking here. Which is, again, wild. The only thing that I know about that movie is I'm walking here. And here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. All improvised. Some of the most iconic lines in cinematic history. It's the same as the Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. That, again, like started as an improvisation and it's sort of followed and haunted him. I don't know if followed or haunted is the right word for his entire (laughs) career. Speaking of Matthew McConaughey, he popped up in one that I came across, and this is the one that I blame for men having that Sigma grind set. Mm. I'm talking about the chest beating scene in The Wolf of Wall Street. Do you want to give us a demonstration? Mm. 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 This is how we psych ourselves up for the podcast. (laughs) Do a lot of cocaine, we dress in suits, we do that. Yeah, gel our hair back and then go <laughs> we home. We look and... wild behind the scenes <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah, have four-hour lunches. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that scene, which first takes place when Matthew McConaughey's character, Mark Hanna, is explaining the lay of the land of Wall Street and the stock game to Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Jordan Belfort, as the newcomer. They're over a long lunch and basically starts their conversation by doing that and then ends it by doing that, hoping he'll join in. And in an interview a couple of years later, Matthew McConaughey says that he'd bang his chest like that as a relaxation technique to take himself down a notch, get him prepared for the scene. And as he explains it, it was actually Leonardo DiCaprio's idea to use that in the scene. And it was Leonardo's idea. He goes, hang on a second. And he asked me, he said, what are you you doing before the take? And I explained what I explained to you. And he goes, you want to try that in the scene? I said, sure. (laughs) So the next take I did at the beginning of the scene, then we went into the scene and we got to the end and I remember like, thinking, well, now do it again to see if the young Turk who you just taught sort of what Wall Street is, but see if he's on the same frequency, see if he gets it. 
And then so we ended up bookending the scene with it, and uh, that was the one take we used. And clearly, like, the director, Martin Scorsese, loved it enough because it came back later in the film when Leonardo DiCaprio is giving a pep talk, and then the whole office just, like, does this psychotic chest-beating <laughs> wild thing during a pep talk. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen men do it. I've seen them do it no, in real life. No, you have I not. Have, yes. I think that's a lie. No. Surely nobody's doing this in real life. I tell you no lie. It was toxic. It was part of a social netball game. <gasps> yeah, they're the worst. What? what I'm not kidding. On? What sort of intensity are you driving with a social netball yeah. game? Like, my guy, it's a Monday night. <laughs> Relax. We've all got to We're go to work. Mixed netball, my friend. <laughs> so I blame this scene directly and solely for that mindset bleeding into culture and society today. Matthew McConaughey, it is your fault. All right. One that I want to bring is a silly one. And I just think this is Friday appropriate. So Parks and Recreation, as we all know, an iconic TV comedy involving such people as Amy Poehler, Adam Scott, Nick Offerman, Aziz Ansari, Chris Pratt, and Aubrey Plaza. It is just a wild powerhouse of like comedic genius. One thing that I love to do is to rewatch bits of Parks and Recreation, but through the improvised scenes. So you'll find a lot of these cuts on YouTube and they're just glorious. So one that I absolutely love, and you may remember this if you have watched the TV show, especially as many times as I have, Amy Poehler's character, Leslie Nope, has a flu. And so she has all of these symptoms in the office. She like looks sick as all hell. And Chris Pratt's character, who is kind of maybe the original himbo now that I'm thinking about it, but he types in on his computer and he says, Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the thing up here and it says you could have network connectivity problems. <laughs> and that is just... The most beautifully improvised line. I think it is gorgeous and just shows the comedic power of Chris Pratt. All right, final one that I want to touch on. And maybe if you know about this idea of improvised comedy and improvised scenes in films, this one might already be on your radar. And if not, I think you'll have a newfound respect for it. I'm talking about in the 40-year-old virgin, the waxing scene. Oh, we're going to need more wax. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just your job. That one little patch looks sexy, though. Does it look good? Yeah, it looks really good. Iconic. <laughs> so iconic. It's the 2005 film where Steve Carell plays Andy, who is a virgin at 40, and he goes on this journey to lose his virginity. The reason it works so well to pull off improvised comedy is hard, but when you have people in the scene like Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen and Romany Malko, it is freaking priceless. You've seen this, right? I have. Of course I've seen this. And they genuinely waxed him. Oh, this, 100%. Right? The... He starts bleeding. <laughs> it's pretty intense. The idea was that they'd keep the cameras rolling on this first live uncut take. Once you wax somebody, you can't re-wax them. Steve Carell, hairy guy apparently. <laughs> Incredibly hairy. <laughs> I feel bad for the poor woman who was waxing him because she just copped this onslaught of abuse and the compilation of his reactions to being waxed every strip is so funny. And it's so brutal because they don't even shave him beforehand. You know how no, like waxing yeah. doesn't hurt that bad on short hair? Mm. Yeah, they just go <laughs> for it. The, yeah, the poor name Kelly Clarkson has taken on a whole new meaning. <laughs> no, Kelly! 
Kelly Clarkson. The 40-year-old virgin, the waxing scene, one of the most iconic improvised film scenes, I think, of all time. I have to revisit this movie, honestly. And speaking of things that we have to watch, let's talk about our weekend watches after the break. The Weekend Watch. It is weekend watch time. We're clocking off real soon. Hopefully you are as well. And if you, like me, are looking outside and thinking it's a good time to stay inside, I've got a recommendation for you. My recommendation this week is a film. You can see it on Binge. It is Please Don't Destroy The Treasure of Foggy Mountain. Oh, I am so glad that you picked this because I haven't seen it yet, but I love Please Don't Destroy. Okay, fantastic. So if you don't know, Please Don't Destroy, it's the comedy trio Martin Hurley, Ben Marshall and John Higgins. They first popped up on my radar when they started producing these pre-recorded skits for Saturday Night Live in 2021. I'm a huge SNL fan. I am too. And they kind of came in as the new sort of Lonely Island because Andy Samberg's Lonely Island comedy trio used to have this thing where they did the pre-recorded skits and now please don't destroy do them. I absolutely love them. I think it's so funny. It's so self-aware and so of its time as well. Mm. And I mean that in the best way possible. So this is their first feature length film. They play three childhood friends turned deadbeat co-workers and they go on this mission to find a priceless treasure in order to redeem themselves as fully functioning adults. But along the way, of course, they run into all kinds of obstacles, including crazy wildlife, a cult, and some funny but rogue park rangers that they get into a punch-up with. I'll leave it at that. To me, this is like a classic, absurdist, buddy comedy. And the other thing is, there are some huge names attached to it, right? Like Judd Apatow is producing this. Judd Apatow has had his finger in the pie of so many like <laughs> incredible comedy productions over the past 20 years. It's like a big nod if Judd Apatow wants to work on your project mm. when you are pretty newly established. It also features SNL cast member Bowen Yang as the cult leader, which Bowen, I think is great. a star. He just emits, he radiates star quality. Please don't destroy the treasure of Foggy Mountain. It's on binge. If you want something just to tune out and have a bit of a giggle to, that's my recommendation. My weekend watch is... Eh, slightly more serious, I guess, but not totally. It is Flora and Son, which I believe is on Apple TV. So have you heard of this movie, Taylor? I've not. Fill me in. Okay. So it was written by John Carney, who wrote Once, Begin Again and Sing Street. He's truly just this like weird genius at creating small, beautiful Irish movies, actually mostly Irish movies, about the power of music and they will fill your cold, dead heart. They're just gorgeous and they're glowing and they're just crowd-pleasing movies, I think. So this movie features Eve Hewson, who is, yes, Bono's daughter, but is absolutely lovely and captivating as an actor. If you saw Bad Sisters, she was the youngest sister oh, in that show. Okay. It also features Joseph Gordon-Levitt, strangely. That's a name that I have not heard for a long time. Strong name in 2008, (laughs) though. (laughs) Look, I don't think that Flora and Son is John Carney's best movie, but I do think that if you're looking for, like, a tight hour and a half of, like, heartwarming, family-friendly viewing, this is a really nice movie to reach for. It's a mum movie. If you have your mum over for the weekend, by any chance, you're at your parents' house, put it on. It's nice. That sounds so nice. Maybe, like, start with Flora and Son. Just an idea. Hear me out. 
and then chase it with something ridiculous like Please Don't Destroy. When your parents will ultimately say, I don't understand what this is about. I'm going home. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by me with audio production by Scott Stronic. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye. 